0: Welcome to the Diddike Podcast, my name is Sam Folds and I'm a church leader based in Manchester. This podcast is about drawing from old wisdom to plant and grow new churches. With various guests I'll be looking at scripture, church history and theology and talking all things church planting with the aim of having our vision of Jesus and his church enlarged. We need churches that can respond to the chaos and darkness of our world with the light and life of Jesus. I hope you find this podcast helpful. In this episode, I'm here with Leon Cotello. Leon is a vicar in the Church of England at All Saints Headington in Oxford. Leon, thanks for coming on.
1: Grace be with you.
0: Fantastic. Well, I was put in touch with Leon by Tim Vasby-Burney, who himself has an episode on this podcast, which came out at the start of this year. And if you've not listened to that, do make sure to check out that excellent episode. Uh, like in every conversations episode, we'll think about what church is, and then we're going to talk about the place of children in church life and worship. Leon, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Thanks. Yeah, so as you as you said, um, Church of England minister. Um, I'm actually what's called an, an interim minister. Um, it's increasingly sort of common in Church of England these days. You put someone in on a temporary contract for two or three years and see how it goes. My predecessor at All Saints was actually here since 1957, That's uh, 63 years, some sort of record. Wow. Um, so you can sort of see the case for not launching like straight into the next thing without time to think, you know, what is this church? What could it be? Um, what, could, what should it be? Um, so that's, that's, that's where I am. I'm married to Charlotte. And we have two children. Uh, one is three. Uh, one is three months. So a bit bleary eyed. Wow. And uh, it's probably a good thing there's not a video podcast.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Are you sleeping well at the moment or is it not great? We're
1: we're doing okay. We're doing okay. Thanks. Yeah.
0: Good. Well, Leon, let's start with the big question really of this podcast. What is church?
1: So many ways. I could answer that. Um the 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 paradigm that's kind of been on my mind recently actually came up in that in that episode you mentioned with with Tim Vasby Burney. I I love that picture of the the garden of Eden with the rivers flowing out into the world. Um, I say picture, I don't, I don't mean by that, that it's not real. I, I do, I do think Eden was a real place, like actual rivers with wet water, um, going out to other actual places. Um, so it, you know, and it was a real place, but, um, as well as that, as well as being real, it was also symbolic, um, I guess that's one of the things about an omnipotent God. He can do more than one thing at once. And the actual physical topography, the uh, the, the geography of Eden, wasn't arbitrary. God, God made it like he made it for a reason. And uh, we, with Scripture in hand, and not just by ourselves, with Scriptures in hand, we can understand that and what this is saying about the reality, the geography of reality. So is that uh, Ezekiel 28. Um describes Eden, um, the Garden of God, as the holy mountain of God. And uh, that really surprised me when I first encountered that idea that Eden's on a mountain. It's a mountain garden. But when you think about it, it makes sense, doesn't it? That you know water flows downhill. So if water's going out from Eden, it's gonna it's come down off the mountain. And so you had this kind of picture of the Garden of Eden as something like. The heart of the world with the rivers like arteries that go out into the four corners which which means that like what happens in the garden really matters like what humanity does in the garden is like what happens in your heart It, it gets pumped out right in there right to your fingertips and you know little toe and and so forth um not that the whole body is meant to become like the heart but the heart's the center And I've been thinking about this recently because it's come up. We had quite a lot of Isaiah, obviously, in the lectionary during Advent. And um, think of Isaiah 2, for instance. Um, Many peoples will say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. Um, He'll teach us his ways so that we can walk in his paths. And you have that picture of having sort of gone up, um, met with the Lord in his mountain temple, they then go back and walk in his light and they bring that light to the, the dark corners of the earth and disputes get settled. Like God says they should be settled and swords get beaten into plowshares. Um, so this sort of, uh, this picture of humanity's calling to ascend the mountain, commune with God and bring those heavenly influences down to earth. Um, so actually, as well as kind of arteries, you've got veins as well. You've got this sort of two-way traffic with Eden. The nations stream up to Zion, and then life flows back from there. Um, James Jordan sort of he points out that uh, Eden in the Bible is the land of food. The precious metals and the stones are outside the land, so you go to Eden to be fed and strengthened, and then you go down to Havilah to to dig gold and to get your aromatic resin well oh,
0: that's really good
1: um and some of which you then bring back next time with you to glorify the garden sanctuary i was i was preaching on that last sunday um epiphany but what what are the magi doing in epiphany um isaiah 60 verse 6 and all from sheba will come mm-hmm. bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the lord um so you got these old sort of patterns i um all throughout the scripture they get kind of modulated harmonized so whether it's like Solomon's reign and the Queen of Sheba, um, Ezekiel's temple, um, Zechariah 14, the living water, um, John 7, streams of living water, Revelation 22, um, all these pictures, but the sort of the foundation, the basic grammar they trade on is that Edenic world picture. Um, so I you know I go on and on, but um, how does this help us with church? I suppose it's, um, I have this voice in my head, Um you know often what are we doing here like what is it really worth it like getting up on a sunday morning getting kids in the car off to church we, we do this thing and then we come back again um maybe just me but i mean as a vicar it can feel like all the work we put into worship every week forging sermons liturgy prayer music practicing singing the psalms all these sort of things it can sort of feel like you're fiddling while rome is burning there's so much, you know, is wrong. So much you could be doing. Why don't we actually go and do something useful out there? Um, yeah, there's a voice in your head and sometimes voices outside my head telling me that as well. So you have to really hold on to this sort of fundamental scriptural paradigm that you know, this is how reality is. Mm-hmm. Um, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be. The rivers flow out from the church of Jesus Christ um carrying the gracious influence of the holy spirit to the to the four corners of the, the world and the world is gradually slowly being taken from glory to glory by that and you have to i, I need to believe that else i'd probably quit being a minister again it's like that actually makes a difference um to just having that sense that actually what we do in the sanctuary like it really matters um just as like sure as water goes downhill and your blood is pumped out by it from your heart. Um culture is downstream from cultus. Um, we well, we become like what we worship as individuals, and that's true, we become like what we worship. Um, but also the world around us becomes like what we worship too. That's the thing about you know being human. We are we are sub-creators, and that gift was given. And and it wasn't taken back at full. Mm. Um, that great sort of Tolkien poem, Mythopoeia, it's good on this, isn't it? That used or misused, the right has not decayed. Um, Mordor becomes like Sauron.
0: Mm.
1: Isengard becomes like Saruman. Um, but also Lothlorien becomes like Celeborn and Gladriel. Oh. And Rivendell becomes like Elrond. It was like you know strong as a warrior, kind as the summer. The church is that from which everything flows.
0: What a vision. What a vision for church life just there. And that theme there started in Genesis, in Eden. They're actually shown us it is throughout scripture. I mean, you've just referenced Ezekiel, Zechariah, and I'm sure people can search the scriptures to find uh, this theme in other places as well. And, And perhaps as people are listening to you speak, Leon, they might be making some connections between what you're saying there and their own experience of of church life, and perhaps it would be helpful to hear about what that big vision of church looks like for you at All Saints. Uh,
1: nothing spectacular, I think. You know, if you come on a Sunday, you you know, um, you know, it's easy to speak in exalted terms, but it's quite, you know, it's pretty, it's quite, it's quite normal. I mean, I thought that episode you did with um, Tim Vasby Burney was excellent on, on what sort of worship is, positively, what we do in the sanctuary, um, and those five uh, C's. That he mentioned mm-hmm. Um yeah. call to worship confession consecration communion uh, commissioning and that that's the framework we use to structure our services at all saints um we we don't have it worked out in quite as much alliterative detail <laughs> as David does. but that basic shape and and flow very much so and um and not just because and not not just a personal preference thing i i think because we we do think that that comes out of the scriptures mm-hmm. out of leviticus for instance and the order of the sacrifices um and um there's a little spiel we have it on our website um you you know you can see that And we put it in the front of our service book that's just explaining so people can so people can read you know why we worship um the way we worship
0: i think tim in that episode i mean he gave us uh, a number of things to think about and ways of understanding the dynamics of church but you know, one being that we we gather to worship the Lord or we ascend up the mountain to worship the Lord and then we're sent out into the world, which is what you were just sharing earlier. I mean, do you talk about that in church life? You know, you, you, you gather together to worship in these particular ways where you, you, you hear God's word and you eat at the Lord's table and then people are sent out into everyday roles, relationships, responsibilities. I mean, we do.
1: It's in the liturgy. The very end is... Um go in the peace of christ to love and serve the lord um so we have that sense of things um i think what we what we do each week gets into our bloodstream you know it's it's i mean i've been at all saints for 18 months now so um and these things gradually drip in i don't i suppose i don't i don't try and belabor things every every week um you can sort of you can sort of try and do too much and it's by explaining too much every single time you you sort of you sort of lose something um Mm. uh so there's a balance, isn't there, of of, of sort of saying what you're doing as you're doing it, and just doing it. And uh, I suppose I probably on that, I suppose I grant, I I generally, I perhaps temperamentally, just tend towards just doing it, and it'll mm. be good for us in the long run. But um, yeah, I think you, you have to explain things too, because you don't just want to be going through the motions.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, your role as a as a minister, as a vicar, I mean, there's there's all sorts of things that you could be doing. Um, but how, how does this vision for church life in the way you've you've just described it from scripture there give shape to your your ministry and your priorities?
1: It's more than just Sundays, of course, of course, as being a minister. But it helps me feel like it's OK to spend quite a lot of time on Sundays, mm. um, you know, obviously on sermon preparation, um, but also on actually on the liturgy. So we taking care of that is worth it. And, you know, you, you know, you, it's worth getting that good and and tweaking it and um enjoying that saying that as a valuable thing it's worth spending time on the music that you're going to sing um teaching the congregation psalms um so without losing partial focus there's all sorts of things throughout the week um that are good and right but just thinking actually sunday is a real focus it's the first day of the week we go out from a sunday into the the week ahead so that focus on sunday is helpful and just not and just not worrying
0: about about that um spending time on that well we've we've had a little think about what a service at, at all saints looks like but well, we, let's think about children and church worship and church life how do children fit into church life and worship there at all saints a he- headline um would be that we
1: we have children in um, with their families um through the service and we don't run a separate um activities or sort of children's church children's group on a Sunday morning, um, during the service, um, as a little anecdote, um, we had a, a delightful um, Christian family come to All Saints, and um, my wife would often do things with the children, and she'd ask them each week, ask the children, um, uh, "Why do we come to church?" And um, the children would say, "Well, we come to church to learn about Jesus," and and that was that's that's what they. That's what they've been taught, um, and um, that was sort of the first thing to answer. We, we come to, to learn about Jesus, and and I suppose we, my wife and I were thinking, what do you do with that answer?
0: Hmm.
1: Um, because you know, heaven forbid, we ever get to the point of saying no, that's wrong. You know, we, <laughs> you, know, you don't come to church to learn about Jesus. Um, but we were thinking, well, what you know, if this was a catechism question. What, what would you want the answer to be um and um would even better than to learn about jesus an even fuller more sort of central answer be we come to church to worship god father son and spirit um and i suppose that's by way of saying it's precisely what we think church is will it would, it, would, it would determine what we actually do and including what we do for our little ones and so i suppose if if you're not quite with us so far and all this sort of weird stuff about church, but if actually really church is something, is we we come to learn about Jesus together um, and encourage each other. If that's the sort of the, the heart of your answer, then I suppose, um, it makes more sense for that teaching and learning to happen in, in an environment that's sort of most effective and conducive to that. So you might want well to think, well, the children have separate groups. Um hmm. Um, but if if what church is, is is if if we are if we've come to the heavenly Jerusalem um, to gather in his presence and we confess our sins, we hear his word to us, we eat and drink with him, and then we go out with his his blessing on us um to live and work to his praise and glory for the next six days. Um, if that's what's happening, like and how, how can we not want our kids
0: mm. with
1: us for that? and um what are we saying if if we send our kids out what are we uh what are we communicating about uh who god is um how he deals with us what he's interested in what christian maturity looks like um so i suppose it's, what precisely do you think sunday is it does flow through to 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 what to how you involve kids in that
0: what would you say to those who wonder whether this is realistic
1: well i i i think i I know this is different um what we're saying what I'm saying is different from what many are used to and um actually different from what I'm from what I'm used to i mean i I spend twenty years pretty much in churches where it's done a certain way um that's what I've always known um it be typically children will be in the service for the first 10, 15 minutes or so um perhaps children's song little children's talk um some children's prayers or whatever it is and then children will go out to their groups and um like which are often very well resourced and run and like like by really gifted and dedicated volunteers so like i'm not i'm not making this based on an assertion that separate children's groups are always done badly or anything like that i don't think that's the case i really don't um so it, it's different um i think from from what happens what well, i've certainly been used to a lot but um i think it is realistic um i think that's i think focus on i say but that's not actually realistic you can't expect mm-hmm. young children to do this no it doesn't disrupt everything i think it is realistic i mean um uh my daughter turned three uh, on christmas day actually mm-hmm. um and uh, she loves coming to church and um she she will kneel for confession says the lord's prayer um joins in with the liturgy um you know christ has died christ yeah. is risen christ will come again um she can't read obviously but she'll get a hymn book out during the hymns upside down often and she'll <laughs> sing la 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 to the tune yeah. like we practice hymns and psalms at home and so she recognize them she you know she'll sing the gloria and the sanctus um mm. and she will sit still at least during like her dad's like boring sermons um you maybe do some colouring in or just whatever it is. And she's she's been in that for a while now. Um and um I think his like I think his like being taken seriously, like fully involved in the life of the church, like the, the, the adult life of the church, they see that there's not, not something different. And um like this is not because like we're extraordinary parents. We're really not. We feel very average and um no one taught us this stuff and we often feel like we're learning and having to sort of repent and up our game all the time. Um, and um, we're not fussy about it, like after worship, you know, the kids will run around and hide and seek and, in the pews, um, climb up into the pulpit. You know, when you say, what are we are going to do at church tomorrow? Sometimes she'll say, sing glory to God, holy, holy. But she'll also just say, eat pizza and do running. You know, so we're not fussy about it. Um, uh, so I think it's possible. Um, that said, wasn't there's no virtue in sort of making it harder than it needs to be. I mean, we're not sort of militant, we're not unbending about this and uh, we're not trying to make it hard for families to come to church or f- make parents feel bad who, you know, children aren't sort of aren't sort of used to this, trained in this yet. Um, so we do we do various things to try and make that a bit easier, which I could go into if you want.
0: That would be really helpful.
1: Um so we what we what do we do? We we have um there's a children's corner at the back of church. Um we we have some activity bags ready to go. For children of sort of various age groups, appropriate sort of activity bags. And so, if a family comes along, maybe haven't been before or not used to this sort of service, you can give them an activity bag and there's things for the kids to do. Um, and we do actually, we do sometimes put on like quiet activities for the children during the sermon, have some things on the same theme as the sermon. We do that sometimes. Um, uh, we came up with this thing called the um priest, king, prophet challenge, and um. This to sort of try and ease children and parents as well, actually into this sort of in a fun way. And basically what happens is you get badges um, for doing different things on a Sunday. So singing the hymn, hymns with your parents or joining in with the creed, the Lord's prayer, memorizing verses, you know, if you can listen to the sermon and answer some questions about it afterwards, you get badges and the more badges you get, you go up through the levels. So if you get one badge, you are a, a priest in the order of Levi and then when you get four badges you're a priest in the order of aaron and then eight badges in the order of melchizedek
0: oh yeah and then
1: you go up through various levels of sort of priest king and then prophet and i think the highest level is um 30 if you get 35 badges um you're a prophet in the power of john the baptist Um, and um, is that something you came up with yeah yeah and we try we try and give the badges fun names sort of
0: like
1: pigeon latin Hebrew or Greek, almost like Harry Potter-esque, you know, so you sure. can cantor, lectio, art, artifacts or whatever it is. And mm-hmm. that and actual, actual badges, so that the kids will have a, a rucksack um, with the sort of things in, like Bibles and catechism and, and mm-hmm. activity sheets, um, and then they can actually pin their badges on the rucksack. Um, it's all on the website. People can see it if they want to. It's a very mm-hmm. much a work in progress, just as, but it's just sort of a fun way of helping children uh, and parents as well sort of get used to sort of being
0: in worship Mm. And talking about that in advance and sort of making it fun and interesting just on that i think listeners will know jesus has these identities as priest and prophet and king uh, but sometimes it's perhaps not uh, always as widely understood that that we as the church have those identities could you comment on that
1: mm.
0: yeah yeah sure um it's one of those things i think i was a bit skeptical when someone first. it
1: sounded a bit too neat um and I, but have actually more I looked into it i think there is it's, it's a, it's a a biblical paradigm, um, and not just something that we bring to the text, but something that seems to be really in there, um, priest, king, prophet,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, with that as a, with an order to them. Mm-hmm. So not just three things, um, uh, generically jumbled together, but an order goes from priest to king to prophet, a development between them. Um, uh, one way that I describe it sometimes to, um, families is, um, if you think about the process of learning to play the piano. Um, so the, like the early stages of playing the piano, it's um, like lots of scales, rote practice, just doing what your teacher tells you to do. Um, that's the sort of first stage, and then the second stage, you get a certain level of proficiency where you kind of like you might. Um, perform pieces in a way that's slightly different. Um, You can improvise to a a degree. There's a kind of level of judgment. You're not just merely playing the notes. Um, And I suppose the highest level would be, like there's such a level of mastery that you can actually compose new pieces or even new kind of genres of music, perhaps from from scratch. And I'm out of my depth when it comes to musical things, but (laughs) that's, yeah, if there's anything in that, and and those sort of levels kind of correspond to Priest, King, Prophets um adam was put in the garden as a priest mm. and he was given clear simple commands do this don't do this adam he should have crushed the serpent's head right there and then in eden he should have put his life on the line to defend his bride from mm. the lies of the snake um but he failed um and so it fell to christ um the second adam to crush the serpent once for all would to save his bride but Christ doesn't just sort of restore um, his bride to the state of Adam, sort of and Eve before the fall, and then leave us to it. <laughs> because then, but why why can't we just blow it all over again if if, you know, but actually no, we're united to him. And um, so that means, you know, our destiny is as it always was to this, we sort of go on from priestly to kingly to prophetic glory um, in a thousand different ways. And we bring the creation with us as we do that um so um without wanting to use this as a kind of paradigm to shoehorn every little detail of the scriptures Mm. in a really unsort of you know helpful way there's something in this i think is useful and it just if if nothing else it just gives an interesting sort of um sort of um what is for the kids to sort of you know um to engage with
0: I, i think it's brilliant and you said people can find out a little more about that on your your church website
1: Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so all good. saints in.
0: yeah and so just going back to to children in in gathered worship i mean you've already dealt with that that accusation that this is not realistic you know you talked about your your own daughter's experience and just actually what even at a very young age she's picking up there would you say that something of the benefits of liturgy for for adults are you found to be benefits for for children as well
1: yeah very much so i mean I, yeah we um I actually think I don't quite know how my daughter would get on in a service that wasn't, she wasn't used to. I think you just like, to get used to something and she can sit in something now and, and enjoy the service, but because there's some repetition and mm-hmm. there is the seasonal variation. We're quite traditional. We sort of follow church finger um, and liturgy, the church year. So, you know, Epiphany, we're in the moment mm-hmm. for Advent, then, then, you know, Lent coming up before, you know, after ordinary time. So we, so it changes seasonally, but the repetition really helps and uh, um, helps for that for the kids um but actually not just the kids like i actually find those things kind of help me um and i wonder too i think it might help folk who are new to church um you know because I, I think if i was new to church i'd be always constantly worried like what are they going to do, do next what are they going to ask me to do next like am i going to have to do something but i think it's actually all there in front of you you can sort of you can sort of follow along um and also actually for folk um we have quite a high proportion of folk part of just the area we're in from um from india uh, from Africa um, and um, if English is not your first language um, then an hour and something of new words were spoken at you it's quite hard to engage with it requires quite a high level of like um, not only fluency the language but just you know um, to, to engage with that and it's something that is like is conducive to worship um, so if it's just the words of the song that are put on the screen Um, but everything else is just coming at you and it's going to be new next week and the week after. Mm -hmm. It's quite hard. Um, So uh, so we've definitely found that we have quite a lot of folk, more than any other church I've been in the past, from overseas, um, newly arrived. And maybe also if you're not sort of very highly educated and you're not used to sort of sitting in lecture environments or um, engaging in sort of a discussion, um, those sort of things. Um, So I think it's it's definitely, I wonder if there's something in that I don't want to sort of claim too much for um, liturgy in all its forms, but I've I've definitely seen that at All Saints that it it seems to have a sort of it, a wider demographic. It, it more, it's more is accessible to a wider wider demographics of people.
0: I, I definitely agree with that, and that would be my experience too. And I just found for me as an adult, just that the benefits of liturgy are, are manifold. Actually, a lot of what we do on a Sunday sort of gives shape to how we do some of our family worship. And for example, we'll pray uh, together. We'll every breakfast we'll open up God's Word and and read a little bit, discuss it, and then we'll pray the Lord's Prayer together. And um, but look, do you, do you think there is a place for age appropriate Bible teaching or classes?
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, whether well, some people call it sort of adult Sunday school or catechesis or whatever you call it. Um, you know, before or after worship. Um Actually, when I fast, first started going to church, um, uh, I was an undergraduate and uh, we had uh, student lunch after the service every Sunday during term. So that's what like 20, 30 talks a year, you know, with discussion and question time on like the whole range of things from, you know, from the auto salutis to how to have a quiet time, how to Coping with depression, what to make of um, postmodernism, evolution, spiritual gifts, all sorts of things, and you just get a lot of input. It's an amazing thing, I, I've never really had that again since since I was a student. Um, but something sort of more maybe lecture format going into the faith, like in some aspect of theology, ethics, apologetics, systematics, whatever it is, like by all means, and like um by all means offer that. You can offer a few different streams aimed especially at different ages life stages and people can choose which one they want to go to i think it's a great thing and um, um i just think perhaps you know that could be before or after like worship
0: mm-hmm.
1: proper um, um and actually it'd be a really helpful thing actually because m- maybe it would mean that not everything is put onto the the sermon and like as a preacher that, I, that would help me i think um well it would be nice to know that I haven't got to be, I haven't got to try and do everything. I've got however long you've got 20, 25 minutes or whatever it is. And um, that's your Swiss army knife of teaching and um, the whole week. And I think I'm sure there are better preachers could do that. Um, and they could better preachers than me. You can make sure that you cover all the sort of various ethical doctrinal bases, uh, with all the, with the appropriate frequency um, and, you know, while still having consecutive expository teaching as your staple diet, um, it's not easy. Um, um, so perhaps something like sort of Sunday school, you could do an adult one and a children's one after the service. And that just means that um, uh, not everything's put on the sermon. Um, and actually, we need, we want to learn about our faith. Like, you know, we talked about it earlier, but actually, learning about Jesus is a really, really important thing, like understanding. Mm-hmm doctrine like knowledge in your head um so absolutely yeah i just i just think that it's um if that's what we have that's primarily how we understand our worship proper as a church then we're we're losing something
0: and have you got any resources that you you use you talked about catechesis there Uh, do you have any particular catechisms that you you work through with your children
1: um we do we have a little book called the first catechism and I haven't got a copy to hand, but um, I'm sure I could. We could link it up um, uh, in the show notes. First catechism we we do with with our kids, you know. But um, in terms of catechesis, I just think you know, um, Lord's Prayer, mm. Ten Commandments. You know, I'm Church of England, so you know, Thirty Nine Articles. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. You don't have you don't have to be. the um, you know, Apostles' Creed. Of course,
0: mm.
1: you don't have to. It's not fancy.
0: You can just work through these things. And Just for our final question, I'm just trying to think what questions might those who are listening have, and um, perhaps one that just came to mind would be: Okay, you know, say we do have the kids in, does that mean that you make the service or and even your sermon all agey?
1: Um, We don't actually. I don't. I mean, I think sometimes it's good to address the children, just like you might address any other sort of um, demographic. And you know, um, Paul does that in his letters, and he'll address different demographics. But um, he doesn't therefore feel the need just because he's going to address parents, then children for the rest of the letter to be aimed um, mm. at a level that the children could necessarily understand. I mean, you know, uh, yeah. you know, if you go for Ephesians, for instance, you know, it's hard to say it's sort of dumbed down for yeah. sort of an all age sort of thing. So, no, I think in general, I don't know. We don't, we don't, it's not all agey. You, if you came to All Saints, it would be, it's a very traditional um, Anglican service, traditional low church um, and, you um, so it wouldn't feel um all of agey, I don't think. But there's a place for that. I just I just think do something before or after the service and yeah. have make it make it really fun. It's nice to have that they, they're gonna grow up into something. Yeah. And they they want to see their parents worshiping, learning, um, kneeling, hands in the air, singing, and they want to do it with their parents. And mm. um so there's never a sense in which when they're sort of suddenly when they're 13 or whatever eleven, they now have to come back into church again. Yeah. Which is um uh, and it's interesting i mean just on this even folk in the church of england who are really quite liberal theologically i think just basically because of numbers they've just crunched the numbers and seeking the data and seen that if um children are in worship um, for, um uh, for, as children they're just less likely just to just away from church when they get older mm. um, i don't i don't want to say that i'm not trying to um but I think that just on a sort of they've crunched the numbers and seen that, and so this is something that even folks who will be really quite far away from me theologically are very enthusiastic about.
0: One element of our church worship, and we'll we'll just end with this, is uh, communion. And you know, I'd imagine that few would have disagreement when it comes to the question of whether children should sit under the preaching of God's word. Maybe a few more might have disagreement over whether children should be baptized i suspect even more you know when it comes to this question of whether children should receive communion what what's your thinking on this at the moment
1: you, is because things haven't been controversial enough already
0: in, the, well, indeed
1: okay. <laughs> um well um i'll just talk to the church of england because that's really all i know anything about uh, in the church of england um as it stands each parish is is meant to have their own policy around communion and um since I think 2006, um, canon law has allowed for parishes um, with the approval of Bishop um, to have a policy whereby baptised children can receive prior to being confirmed. Um, so, so last year, our PCC agreed on a policy. Um, uh, so the headline would be um, because we believe that baptism is the sacrament of initiation into Christ and his church and we we don't think baptism is a temporary or a partial measure that needs to be topped up by confirmation um therefore it's right for baptized children of believing parents to be able to receive communion bef- before confirmation um uh, or between or before reaching any particular set set age um so that's
0: where we are mm-hmm. yeah so what why do you think some people would find giving communion to children controversial
1: so um i think for some folk it will be if you have a sort of sense of um a roman catholic or a sense of this is this is you know the transubstantiated body and blood of christ we don't want to drop this on the floor do we mm-hmm. um but i suppose among in reformed circles the the objection would be much more um was it one uh corinthians 11 yeah. and um you know that we um everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat um uh, for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of christ eat and drink judgment on themselves um and so there needs there's a sense that children should be sufficiently aware theologically and aware of themselves to be able to sort of uh, um they can examine themselves for receiving um which i understand that I, I i just think that reading that those verses my reading of those actually it goes the other way i think the sin that paul is um warning the the corinthians about that sin of failing to discern the body of christ in the context that is the sin of allowing um divisions like Mm. prejudice pride snobbery to divide the body of christ into cliques factions and so the sin is not so much a sort of private psychological sin of holding false notions in your own head um so much as a kind of visible public sin of holding fellow believers at arm's length. Mm. Um, and so therefore, actually, to deny the bread and wine to baptize children who are full covenant members um, because they're not deemed sufficiently theologically informed is actually to do the very thing that Paul is condemning.
0: Mm.
1: Um, so we need to read, and I, and you know, just like we wouldn't read that sort of one, we wouldn't read 2 Thessalonians 3 um, if anyone will not work. Neither shall he eat. We don't read that as a mandate to stop feeding our children until they can pay their way financially. Um,
0: so I, I feel the force of that. I just, I just, I just don't, I don't, I don't read it that way. Thank you so much, Leon, uh, for taking the time today to to come and chat with me. I've really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much. Great to talk.
0: And thank you so much to those who've been listening. And I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, Listen out for a future episode on the Didache podcast.